Thank you so much. And it really is good to be back here. And uh, it's, I was working out the other day that actually a third of my life I've spent in this church, um, either worshipping, serving, and as pastor of the church. So, and I'm only 20. <laughs> I remember that, um, uh, I think it was Henry, um, Mark and Karen's Henry, and we met in the street once as we were walking down, and Henry said, oh, that's Steve, he lives at the church. <laughs> and I think, yeah, cool, that was absolutely right. But I actually have to say, I have two disappointments about this morning. Uh, the first is that British summertime started, so I've lost an hour in, in sleep. Now, you may be able to catch up on that hour of sleep in the next two hours um, <laughs> while I'm talking, but I'm not, it's gone forever as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so that was the first, one, first disappointment. The second disappointment is that you finished your series on Ephesians 4 last week. Because Ephesians 4 and Ephesians 2, which kind of go together, um, are kind of really, have uh, been on my heart for quite a long time, and I really wanted to talk on those, and Graham said I couldn't. So, because uh, he, yeah, I know he is. And um, so, uh, yeah, the, the role of leadership in church, I've been kind of reevaluating a lot of that stuff. Um, by the way, you notice I still move around. <laughs> because it's, it's harder to hit a moving target, you know, so, um, so I kind of like to wander around a bit, so it, I'm sorry if I'm not moving fast enough for those of you who really do want to go to sleep, um, but I'm, I'll try and, uh, try and behave myself, but uh, yeah, so uh, the subject that Graham's given to me, well actually isn't a subject, of course, um, because it's a person, uh, the subject that Graham's given to me is introducing Jesus, which I've kind of subtitled uh, will the real Jesus please stand up? And uh, I, I'm, I'm really pleased that I've got this subject because uh, I've been doing a lot of research and, and, and thinking about this quite a lot over the past uh, few weeks since um, Graham kindly rang, uh, rang me up and asked me to come and speak. Poor old Graham and Eileen, they've come and stayed with us twice in, in our home in, in, in Devon and come to church with us, and both times I've been preaching at the church. So he hasn't been able to get away from me at all. So there you go. You must have done something really bad, I tell you. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, and I thought to myself, okay, introducing Jesus. Well, I know most, quite a lot of you. Not, I wouldn't say most of you, because there are some new faces here that I don't know. But I know quite a lot of you, and I'm thinking to myself, introducing Jesus, why would we have that as a subject? Because <laughs> most of you already know who Jesus is. So, you know, what was going on in Graham's mind when he gave me that title? Who knows what was going on in Graham's mind? No, Graham doesn't even know what's going on in his mind, so I'm sorry? Yeah, okay. Uh, so I was thinking to myself, okay, what would he like me to kind of get across with this? So I didn't ask him. I thought, no, I'll, I'll ask the Holy Spirit what, what I think we should be doing. And I thought that was a better idea. Okay. <laughs> but before we get to that, I want to ask us another question. I'm just going to turn this microphone around the other way over here. Then maybe that'll stop. No, it won't stop, I mean. Um, the question I was asking, and funnily enough, Donovan asked this question over breakfast today. Um, why do we do what we do on Sundays? Because Donovan and Mike would rather be at Lake Bala on their windsurfing. We had that conversation as well, Mike, this morning. 
Uh, and and I, I wonder, I, do, you ever, do you ever think of that? Why do we do this? I, yeah, I see some people nodding their heads. The ones who are, st- oh, maybe they're falling asleep. Sorry, it's okay. Um, I, I, I sometimes wonder why we do this. And uh, don't get me wrong, I think it's really important that we meet together because I think it's, it's, it's vital that we worship together. I think it's absolutely right that together we, we come and worship. We remember Jesus in communion, which we're not doing today, but never mind. Uh, we have fellowship together. I think that's really important. We encourage one another. We collectively pray together. Uh, we serve one another. We build one another up. Uh, we do all those kind of things. Uh, we sacrificially give of some of our income so that the work of the kingdom can be extended. I think that's really important. And you can't kind of do that, all of these things, by yourself. And also, hopefully, we hear God's word, we understand it a little bit more, and we begin to apply it to our lives. Only you will be able to guess whether we hit the last one after I've finished, but today at least. But I think that's really important. But I I guess the question that was going on in my head was, well, actually, what difference does it make? So I've been to church today. What difference is that going to make to my life? Um, how will that change what I either believe, what I think about, the way I live my life in the rest of the week? And that's a challenge for me, I think, when I, I go to church on a Sunday. Uh, how is this going to make a difference to what I'm, I'm, I'm about? You see, my concern is that we can become a bit like the crowds on Palm Sunday. Of course, it wasn't known as Palm Sunday then, because they didn't know that. Um, but sometimes I like to immerse myself in the scripture and I kind of try and picture myself being there. Did anybody ever do that? Yeah? I, I, think it's, I think it's really good. I kind of begin to wonder what, it's, what it was all like. So let's, um, let's just think about it. You know, Palm Sunday is the, one of the very few um, instances in, that's recorded in all four Gospels. Yes, the death of Jesus, the resurrection... Um, uh, is, is included. Gethsemane is not in all four Gospels, for instance. The only miracle that um, Jesus ever performed, the feeding of the 5,000, is in all four, but that's the only miracle that's in all four Gospels. Now, I'm not one of these people who thinks, oh, well, it's because it's in four Gospels, it's therefore definitely really important more than anything else, because I think it's all important. But it seems to me that there is some kind of thinking that you could say, well, actually... If it's written in all four, it must have been significant to the people who wrote it. So if it was significant to the people who wrote it, then it probably is significant um, for us to get a hold of as well. Um, so why, why Palm Sunday? Well, let's just, kind of, let's just kind of go with it, shall we? So here they are, all these folks, they're arriving in Jerusalem uh, for the Passover celebration. Passover celebration, everybody knows it's about, you know, the deliverance of the Israelites from Egypt uh, on their way to the promised land and all that kind of stuff. And it's their premier religious festival. It was the place to go. You didn't miss it. You went along and you, you got there. It w- they were in party mood because they were remembering what God had done for them. And I think that's part of why we come together on a Sunday morning, to remember what God has done for us and uh, who Jesus is and why the Holy Spirit is important. So um, 
Unlike the, by the way, unlike the video that you saw earlier on, I've actually got some photographs of the actual event. So um, <laughs> these folks are, are there, and they're getting, to, um, getting into party mood. And uh, all of a sudden, I, you know, my imagination goes, there's this kind of hush whisper. Is that who I think it is over there? And somebody says, yeah, it's that young man that everybody, all the religious folks are getting upset about. It's the one who keeps telling us about God and how much he loves us and how much we should love people. But the religious leaders, they, they find him really upsetting. They, they don't like him at all because he's always criticizing them. And then as this kind of whisper goes around the, con- the, the folks who are congregating, they, they, begin to, they begin to kind of raise their voices. Ow, oh, it's that Jesus, isn't it? Look, he's come, he's come here. What, what, what's happening? And the crescendo rises and, you know, people get a little bit animated and, and they clear a path and Jesus comes through on a donkey and some clown gets the idea, well, let's get up some palm trees and rip a few of them, few of the branches off and throw them on the floor and they get, take their coats off and the cheering starts and the kids are put on their parents' shoulders so they can get a better view and everybody gets really excited and a chant starts, you know, Jesus, Jesus, or, or something. I don't know whether they would have done that, but they may have done. And Jesus rides through on a donkey um, in front of everybody and they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Oh, by the way, here's a photograph of Jesus um, going through. And, and they're shouting, Hosanna. Who knows what Hosanna means? Save us, yeah. Deliver us, save us. It's a, it's um, it's actually two um, root Hebrew words, um, Yesha, uh, which means save and deliver, and Anna, which actually means we beg you, we beseech you. So it actually means you know, come and save us. We beseech you, come and save us now. Deliver us. And those are only words that could have been said of somebody who was thought to be the Messiah. And so these folks are there shouting this out, Hosanna, Lord save. This actually comes from Psalm 118. Um, but, so they're, they're, they're shouting, Hosanna, deliver us, save us, rescue us now. So all this is happening And yet a week later, they're shouting crucify him. Less than a week later, they're shouting crucify him. How fickle are our kind of opinions? How we change from moment to moment. And often it's about crowd dynamics, isn't it? Um, You know, Jesus, we we heard um, earlier on, uh, Tina read us, that passage, and people had actually got it all wrong. They were expecting a Messiah that was different to the Messiah that Jesus knew he was to be. Because we read earlier on, uh, or Tina read to us, that Jesus had this mandate to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for those who are, are captives, to bring recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That was his agenda, but they wanted him to have a different agenda. I wonder again, 
do we have a different agenda to what God's agenda is? You know, what's our agenda? Roz has this favorite saying about um, uh, seeing what God is doing and joining in with it. I guess you ladies probably heard it several times yesterday. I hear it all the time. So um, you only got away with it one day. Um, but, you know, what is God doing? Where can I join in? And sometimes we think we know best. We know better than God. So how can we kind of set the, the program, as, as it were? And I, I sometimes think God is saying, you know, can you just hang on a little bit? You know, I'm doing something here. Would you like to join in with what I'm doing? And then things go a little bit better than when you want to decide to do it by yourself. Okay, crowd dynamics. Um, I'm, I'm interested in crowd dynamics, I have to say. Um, how are we influenced? What influences us? Um, we hear about pester power. We hear about things that happen in terms of Cambridge Analytica this week in Facebook. Poor old Mark Zuckerman, my heart goes out to him. I mean, he's lost $10 billion this week because he owns 20% of Facebook and Facebook's gone down in value by $50 billion because of some adverse publicity from Cambridge Analytica. Um, we're living just outside of Exeter now and Exeter University employs somebody who, um, from Cambridge Analytica and they've just sacked him. Uh, but, you know, how fickle can we be? And the interesting thing for me is we get influenced by people we admire. We get influenced by persuasive speakers. Hopefully this morning there might be some persuasiveness going on. Um, I don't know. But often it can be very positive, but sometimes it can be propaganda. You know, crowd dynamics doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be right. And we can be so influenced by, by other people's opinions, often because we don't want to look bad ourselves. And often because, you know, somebody's got this great idea that they want us to get on board with, and they want us to be on their agenda, and sometimes we need to be doing, uh, doing our own thing or doing God's thing. We are called to be distinctive as Christians. The Bible calls us foreigners and aliens or exiles. In, in, but some of the versions, depending on which translation you use, talk about us being aliens, strangers, temporary residents, refugees. I mean, some of you do look like aliens, but I can't help that. You know, it's the way it is. Um, but you, we are called to be different. I kind of think about this at, at times. Um, I, I do a lot of thinking, actually. Um, and um, just think about what we believe as Christians. We believe, don't we, that there is a greater meaning to life than this life. We have a, an eternal perspective. We believe in a sinless saviour, born of a virgin, um, no male intervention required. And uh, we believe in somebody who did amazing, miraculous events, had power over nature. Uh, we believe in someone who is God in the flesh, as it were. 
We believe in a sacrificial death that was the only means by which we can get into a relationship with God. We believe in a unique resurrection, the only religious leader who ever was able to do that bit. We believe, don't we, in that we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. We believe that Jesus is going to come again and he's going to take us to eternity and we don't think we're weird. Yeah? We want to be the same as everybody else? Hang on, we're not, because most people don't believe any of that. But we do, don't we? And we want to be, think that we're normal? We're distinctive, okay? But how distinctive are we? Really and truly, how distinctive are we? You know, there's the old saying, isn't there? If, if you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? <sighs> Is that the case? We want to fit in with the crowd. We don't want to alienate ourselves from other people. But to be honest with you folks, we just need to recognize that we are called to be different. We are called to be salt and light in our communities. And yes, we need to be you know, involved in our communities. I think it's really, really important for us to be involved in our community because most people don't volunteer to come to church anymore. Because they probably find it boring as well at times. But how distinctive are we the rest of the week? Hopefully, because we've been here this morning, we'll be thinking a little bit along those lines about how different we are. How would we introduce Jesus to somebody who was asking? How would we introduce him? What would we say? Could we succinctly sum up what the gospel is all about? What the good news that we've got is all about? How could we describe how somebody becomes a follower of Jesus? Would we be able to relate who Jesus claimed to be and who we believe him to be? And why and how we became a Christian. Could we do this? What difference does the Holy Spirit make in our lives day by day? How many of us would feel confident to be able to do that? Because if you already know who Jesus is, hopefully you do, then you've already been introduced to Jesus. And the subject of this this morning is how do Introducing Jesus? How do we introduce Jesus into our day-to-day lives and the people that we, we meet um, around the place? There's a verse in 1 Peter um, which says this, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I have to say, I have used this verse as a cop-out in my life. Yes, Lord, I am really prepared to give an answer to somebody who asks me why I'm a Christian. But to be honest, I don't really want them to. (laughs) Very few people actually ask us, don't they? Because maybe our lives aren't distinctive enough for them to say what's different about you. 
Now, I know that's not true for everybody because I know that some of you have had those conversations with, with folks. And I've had those conversations with people. And I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty here today because I have to face the same things. Because although I've been, you know, I made my initial profession when I was a young kid and, and I've been a professional Christian, quote marks, you know, for a few years, you know, leading a church, I find it difficult to always be able to express what I believe and why I believe it. And by the way, I said initial profession there because although I became a Christian at the age of seven, so again, only 13 years ago, um, I, um, I kind of think to myself, actually, there have been numerous occasions in my lifetime where I have recommitted my life to Jesus. It's, I, I believe in, you know, once saved, always saved, personally. Uh, but I, I, I think, you know, there are times when you have moments, don't you, when you really understand a little bit more about what God is calling you to be and what he's calling, asking you to do. And I think it's really important. I, you know, I was seven. I, I really didn't understand it all. John 3.16 became, you know, uh, was the verse uh, that kind of uh, brought me to that, that place. Um, but I suppose it's really when I was about 13, when I was baptized in water, that I actually began to really understand what it meant to be a Christian. Um, and there have been different moments in my life where I've, I've said to God, yeah, I know that I need to move from, from one place to the next place in this journey of faith um, that we're all on. But revere Christ. What does that mean? It means to honor him. It means to put him first in our lives. It means to um, ensure that uh, we are following him in every way that we possibly can. And that, uh, that folks, I believe, will ask us why we, are, why we are Christians as a result of that. It says there, be prepared. We need us all to be Boy Scouts as to be prepared. And I, so I was thinking to myself, actually, if I'm really wanting to introduce Jesus to other people, what does it mean to be prepared? So for those of you who have uh, listened to me before, you know that I'm not into deep theological stuff, unlike John, um, my reverend doctor friend over here, um, you know, who's a theologian. Um, yeah, I'm, I do have some idea of theology. Um, but my, my favorite bit is to be thinking how to, how to live this out, rather than kind of filling my head with knowledge. I'm not saying that John does that, by the way, just to make sure that you fully understand that. Um, and this is being recorded, I'm sure. Uh, so, uh, but practical theology for me is the important piece. Good. Excellent. Um, so for me, it's about, you know, thinking, well, what can I do about this? So I've got some, hopefully some answers about how to be prepared. Number one, know what we believe. Did we believe that list that I put up on the board earlier on? Okay, that's partly, you know, the basis of where we are. We need to be thinking, do I actually know what I believe? Am I prepared? Um, 
in that sense, that I actually know, know about it. C.S. Lewis said um, that uh, the claims that Jesus makes, you've got three choices. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. If Jesus wasn't Lord, those claims that he made and the things that he taught actually would have been very, very dangerous because many people have lost their lives because of that. But Jesus is Lord. So know what we believe is number one. Um, C.S. Lewis also said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Sometimes I think we, we make our faith moderately important. So know what we believe. Second thing would be, think about what others think about. Okay? What are the key objections to believing in Jesus? What are the things people throw up? Now, there's plenty of places that you can find out, you know, apologetics online or whatever it is that you can, you can look at, Christian apologetics, that is, because there's other types of apologetics that you don't really want to know about. Um, but what are the things that people use as excuses not to think about Jesus? How could we encourage people to think about Jesus? Um, there's some really good books that you can have a look at. Lee Strobel's The Case for Christ is really good from the perspective of uh, legal investigative journalism. Um, this one that I only came across a, a few weeks ago called, called Grilla Christian. It's a bit simplistic in places, but it's actually very, very good in terms of, of some of the objections that people have. And uh, John Ortberg is one of my favorite um, authors. And uh, he's got this book, well, uh, Who Is This Man? Uh, Jesus, Who Is This Man? And that's really good as well. And I'd encourage you to, to read around this, find out who Jesus claimed to be and what his, what his uh, agenda was so that we can be a part of that. Third, um, oh yes, so this is my version of C.S. Lewis's liar, lunatic, Lord. Is he, is he a deceiver? Was he deluded or was he divine? So think about who Jesus is and think about why people object to Jesus. Third point, get our story straight. If I was to ask you to give your testimony about becoming a Christian, could you do it in less than two minutes? Yes. Praise God. That's fantastic. Um, and would it convince somebody else? Hopefully it would. But if we need to be prepared, always be prepared, not sometimes be prepared, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is within us, we need to be able to succinctly describe why we became a Christian and what difference it makes. I'm going to give you some clues in a minute because I know time's going on. Um, and thirdly, fourthly, the, probably the difficult one is pray for opportunities. It's amazing how when we pray for opportunities, God provides us with opportunities. When we don't pray for opportunities, we don't get them. Mike Shaw will tell you a story about me and um, my hairdresser in Bridge North. If you want to hear it, ask Mike, because he knows all about it. I don't know whether you still get your hair cut there, Mike. Oh, you do. Okay. Oh, yeah, you've still got some. Yeah. 
So know what we believe, think about what others think, get our story straight, be willing to pray for opportunities. Okay, so how do we introduce Jesus to somebody? I'm going to give you four points, and I've got them on my wrist. This is, um, we've been doing this in church actually, uh, in our church, and uh, this is from an organization called Agape, and uh, it's, it's four points, this is just a reminder, um, they had to get me a bigger one because my wrist was too fat, um, it was cutting the blood off, and, and somebody said, why don't you put it around your neck? So, um, anyway, four keys to introducing Jesus. Okay, what, what do we believe? God created us, okay, wants to know us, loves us, wants us to know him personally. Number one, okay, God loves us. Number two, we've messed up individually and collectively. The Bible calls it sin, but everybody, let's face it, everybody out there knows that the world's a messed up place. It's fractured, it's broken. Graham prayed eloquently about the various, some of the various things that are going on in the world at the moment. You know, sometimes I wish I could get on question time and say, for goodness sake, stop messing about. <laughs> you know, if we believe what Jesus said, you know, love one another, um, you know, we could solve a whole load of the, treat other people as, as you would like to be treated. You know, we, we'd have a much better place. <laughs> um, but there we go. Um, number three, Jesus lived a perfect life gave a sacrificial death, um, triumphant resurrection, and that reconciles us to God. Four, we've got to make a decision ourselves. That's the gospel in a nutshell, folks. If we can remember those four points, and by the way, there is a little leaflet which is called the four points that Agape provide. We used it um, when we did Shropshire Hope Explosion back in 2014. Uh, it's been updated and, and reprinted since then. But it's a great little booklet that you can have in your back pocket. And, and it goes into more detail. But those are the four points. And each one of those points is really essential. You can't miss one of them out. Because at the end of the day, that's what the gospel's all about. God loves us, wants us to, wants us to know him personally. We've messed up. Jesus came to die for us. We've got to make a decision. Bang, simple. As the meerkat said, it's simples. The question is, for us, what are we going to do about it? Who are we going to introduce Jesus to? How would we go about that? There are over a thousand names and titles for Jesus in the Bible. I've counted them, it's all right. No, I've used the concordance. These are just some of them. Okay? But remember, when we go and talk to other people, we need to do it with language that they understand. Jesus talked about agricultural stuff because they, they lived in that kind of environment. I wonder what Jesus, how Jesus would change his parables in our day and age. But, you know, most people don't understand justification by faith. Okay? So we probably need to use different language when we're talking to Jesus. And some people say, well, is it my job to make somebody a Christian? The answer is yes and no. It's our job to be available so the Holy Spirit can do the work that they become a Christian. We can't make anybody else a Christian, but if we don't tell anybody else, 
the Holy Spirit can't do his job either. So it's not your job to make somebody a Christian, but it's our job to be witnesses. That's what Jesus called us to be, witnesses. And the Bible tells us that Christ is the image of the visible, invisible God. And guess what? We're called to be like Jesus. We're supposed to be conformed to the image of him. John Scott said, we live and we die. Jesus died and lives. I'd like to add to that. Because I like doing things like that. Not that I'm any good, but you know. We live and die, Jesus died and lived, and because Jesus died and lived, we can live and die and live eternally. That's the essence of the gospel. If you want to introduce other people to to Jesus, then that's where we need to be. Now, for some of us, that might be a bit of a challenge and a bit of a stretch. But guess what? We just need to start somewhere. Maybe you need to pray this week, or what I would suggest, let me give you a suggestion. Perhaps you'd like to consider thinking about praying for somebody that you know. I'm currently praying for two of my golfing partners, two of my neighbors, and two of my family. Just kind of starting small, really. And... I don't know what God's going to do with that. And I prayed this week that I'd have a, an opportunity to pray for one of my golfing partners. And nothing came up in the conversation as we were playing golf that I could use. That's okay. There'll be another opportunity. I'm not worried about that. Put it on God's timing. But if we don't pray, we probably won't have the opportunities. But I'd like to pray for us now. And... I'd like to pray that God would work in each of our lives to give us those opportunities where we can speak out and we can live distinctive lives. Father God, thank you for my friends here at BBC. This place is a very special place for us. And yeah, there's obviously a lot of history here. But I want to pray, Lord, that you will continue to grow this church. We talked earlier about foundations, and I built on a foundation that Ray had laid, and Ray built on a foundation that other people had laid, and they built on foundations, and it goes back to 1652, when the first Baptist church was was established here in, in Bridge North. That's a huge legacy. And Graham's building on foundations, and, and we just want to thank you for the increase that you're already giving to this church. And we want to see it continue and grow and develop. But it will only do that if we're upfront about our faith and who we believe you are. So I want to pray, Lord, that this week we will have opportunities to show that we are different, but we're still human. Yeah, we still mess things up, but we have a living hope. Jesus within us. We have a hope for the future. Our sins have been forgiven. We have relationship restored with you. We have been reconciled. And I want to pray for each one of us, Lord, that we will be confident in our faith, that we will grow and develop and become more mature in the way in which we live and act and the things that we speak. And I pray, Lord, that 
as we are distinctive people, you will give us opportunities to, to um, witness for you and that others will come to know you too. Help us to be people who introduce Jesus into the conversation, I pray. And bless this church, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.